Today's episode brought to you by BossPods.com. Want a podcast like a boss? We've got the inside word on how to set up a podcast that's actually worth something. We've got the industry's best to show you how. BossPods.com. Podcast like a boss. Thank you so much for uh, coming and talking to me on, on my show, Carla. I know that you have a tremendously busy schedule um and you're actually going from here straight back to or straight on to set straight on well straight into the makeup chair anyway put on my face and <laughs> yeah well <laughs> have my hair done yeah no it's my pleasure thanks al oh, um and it's interesting to kind of talk to you about this because you did you were on neighbors for 11 years and then you kind of stepped away from it and now you've stepped back into it sort of over the last eight or nine months in a full-time capacity again. Um, was that scheduling or that um, that routine something that um, that you were happy to step away from or something that you really missed when you didn't have it? I think as time went on, because I was away from the show for five years, well, at the two-year mark, two, three-year mark, I, I revisited just as a guestie and we sort of explored a bit more of Steph's journey at the time and and so that was cool but initially I left the show I was really happy for the the lack of routine scheduling because I just wanted to have all that free time for my kids and so yeah that was absolutely fine and because it's been such a huge part of my life it's something that I do actually really enjoy so I was I'm I'm happy to be back doing it and then the boys are grown up now and gone and doing their own thing so I'm not required (laughs) so I can devote all of my time to my work and and of course then my my um my own projects outside of work so it's good it's really good and we are go for another week another ramble another episode of coming up next with Alistair Marks that's me you know my voice It's the voice of Alastair Marks, and this is my show coming up next, a show where I speak with some of the world's top creatives about how they've managed to create a life of their own design. And if you've been around in Australian television, or perhaps uh, British television, over the last 15 years, you will no doubt know my guest this week as Steph Scully from Neighbours. She is one of the hardest working and most dedicated actors to grace the small screen in Australia, and it was an absolute joy to sit down with her in the morning before she went on set for another day of shooting to chew the fat on her journey, her story, her career and, of course, you know, the stuff that makes her silly. And before we get into the interview, my good friends out there in the coming up next work, why don't you open up your little iTunes, that little disc with the musical note in it or the, uh, or the podcast app on your, on your smartphone or tablet. Look up coming up next, hit the subscribe button, leave a review And if this happens to be your first time tuning in, check out some of the other amazing interviews that I have in the backlog there with some of the top, top creatives in the world today, much like my guest today, the one and the only, Carla Bonner. What was it like when you made the decision to step back into this world? Was it a kind of collaborative decision? Was it something that you pitched to them or was it something that they kind of approached you about? What was the process? Well, they came back, yeah, because they they were wanting to revisit Steph again. She'd been 
in the psych facility. So it was a really interesting kind of um, topic to explore the whole mental health situation. So, yeah, they, they approached me. Initially, it was just to come back as a guest again, short stint again. I was living in Sydney doing another show at the time. And I thought that would be great. That's perfect timing. I'm happy to do that because I really care about Steph. She's been a huge part of my life and I really think that we have a responsibility to tell this story because it's about mental health as well now. So it's, you know, it's it's rife in society and, and you know, there was a lot of people that were really distraught with what happened to Steph. So we, I felt an obligation to continue on with the, the story. But also really happy to. So it was it was cool. And then they... I sort of shot some ideas through to them and then they said, oh, actually, would you just come back? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, forget the guest role, could you just come back? So, yeah, it was, it, it, it was, I was completely happy too. So it was, mm. it was time. Easy yeah. decision? Yeah, it, re- it was, yeah. What was it like for you kind of coming back? Was it like a homecoming in a way? Is totally, it- yeah. I walked in and it was just, you know, that, that the years that you've not been there just close up. As soon as you're on set again, it just it can feel like you've just never left. Mm. Oh, but I feel very rested, you know, like I'd never left, but I feel really <laughs> rested. Like I've had a really long weekend. Seeing the old faces and just reconnecting with, with so many older old people. And also, I guess that the kind of the newness about it were, was the dynamics of the new cast and crew. But it felt like I'd come home. So it was cool. It's amazing. Yeah. When you started on Neighbours, was there that kind of sense of warmth and, and family or was it a little bit more like you were the new kid at school? Because when I started on the show, I had a family on the show. So I had the mum, dad, sisters, brothers, brother at the time. And that was amazing. No, so there was a real sense of warmth, family warmth about it straight off the bat. And I loved that because um, it was very different to how I'd grown up. And so I really relished in, in that. It was great. And also, too, I guess, you know, the place in itself and the people there, they want you to do the best you can do. So everybody embraces you, especially when they know that – well, not especially. They embrace everybody. But I guess be- becoming a regular cast member, it's people want you to just relax into it straight away. So it was – yeah, it was it was really cool. And that was something I made sure I continued on with people that come into our green room is that I want them to be able to do the best work they can do. So – you know, to make them feel warm and welcome and, and to know where the tea and coffee is or to know, you know, like mm. just all those little things that, that will make their stay comfortable, you do it. So it's, yeah, it's lovely. You said being how you'd kind of grown up in the world and where you'd kind of come from. Neighbours was was your first big acting gig, wasn't it? My first big one, yeah. Was Was acting something that you were kind of brought up into or was it something that you decided while you were in high school that you wanted to do what was your kind of origin story no mine was uh from when I was really young more like primary school and I knew I knew I wanted to be an actress and um, I I used to you know I was always performing I was quite the drama queen when I was little and you know, I guess I needed, you know, I needed a channel for that. I did lots of theatre and everything at school I was involved in that was drama and acting and, you know, I would say to my family I'm going to be an actress. And mm. and I guess out of protection for me, they, they kind of tried to, well, what they did was actually dull, tried to dampen my enthusiasm for it because 
they were concerned that maybe I wouldn't handle the knockbacks or the rejection that, that they believed the industry to be full of. And yes, it is, but it, it just made me more determined. It was, you know, don't tell me that I can't do it. Don't tell me <laughs> that, that there's thousands of girls out there that want the same thing. Like what makes me any, what, why, what makes me have any less chance of, of achieving that? Mm. So I just drove it. I was just like, I'm going to do this. <laughs> so at about 12 years old, I remember I would be, uh, we had phone books in those days. So I would sit there and a lot of kids these days probably wouldn't know what they are. but With yellow pages. Yellow pages, white pages, that's right. So I would flick through there and I would find casting agents and I would call them up and I would see if they had any auditions. <laughs> I actually would organise my own auditions. I didn't have an agent, nothing. I would wow. just... at I, 12. I, yeah, at 12. So then I jumped on a train and I went from Rosanna to Elstonwick, which meant swapping trains in the city and then heading out to Elstonwick. But I was determined this, I was going to do this. And so, yeah, it was just something that I, I, I knew that I was meant to do. Mm, do you remember the first time that you did perform and you kind of got that and feeling like, and, and that was where you... I, because I had nothing handed to me. Right, so so everything I had to work for, so I had to find my way in, and the whole acting, getting an acting agent thing was really difficult because if you haven't done anything, then you can't really get yourself an acting agent. So I got into an extras agency, and just started doing gigs that way. Got my way in there. Then I became the Hungry Jacks girl for a few years. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was the burger biter for a while, and then I was the girl behind the counter, and that was. Yeah, so I was sort of plucked out of being an extra into a more featured role for that and that continued on for a couple of years and that was really cool. So, yeah, it just it just reassured me that I knew what I was meant to be doing. And you said that your parents kind of tried to, I guess, dampen your enthusiasm mm. for performing. Mm. So what was your trajectory through school like? Was it you just continued to make incremental advancements through the extras agency and through these kind of cold calls you do? The extras agency wasn't until I'd finished school. Yes, all through school I was involved in, in everything. I had the lead in the Year 12 school production and we wrote that and we completely hands-on with with the entire production. And I think it was then that my family sort of went, she's not really not going to give up. <laughs> you know? hmm. Like I just kept going. And then it was at the end of my school years I um, – had a baby <laughs> so so the dream of going on to uni and sort of pursuing it that way was put on hold mm. and I yeah, made the choice to you know to raise my child and and to bring him into the world and give him a good few years of me and and just us and and settle him into life and then and then I could jump back into career path so I did that and that's when I got into the extras agency casting yeah and so, yeah, I just pursued it from there. And the jobs just got got more and more, more and more often. And then, you know, like a, a small featured role on Man from Snowy River, which was right up my alley because I'm a horse girl. And, you know, <laughs> um, you know, the jobs just got dreamier and it was just, you know, it was, this was really cool, mm. really cool. So did you, uh, did you have any sort of formal training or was it more that you just kind of learned on the job and you persisted because I do remember I think the first time we met was at a, a Nirvana Chubbuck yeah. masterclass yeah and 
it was quite uh, amazing for me as a um, you know someone who was sort of in this educational phase of my career if you like I mean you're always in that phase Mm. but really kind of potent learning to see someone who I've seen on television for a decade yeah uh, actually come into the classroom right who wants to continue the evolution of their understanding of craft was that something that was new for you or was it something that you'd kind of done um, at an earlier point in your career as well Ivana was a whole new ball game, but <laughs> <laughs> she's amazing. That technique works for me, works a treat. But no, I had, I'd always done workshops and classes. And as with life, you know, you never stop learning. Mm. So I will forever be the student and I love it. So yeah, I had all through those, those earlier years, yes, I'd done workshops and, and training. Not, not, not formal training as such, like VCA or, you know, NIDA or anything like that. Mm. But yeah, certainly the smaller the smaller classes and workshops always mm. that's how I that's how I then progressed onto an acting agent was through doing classes and things so they'd come and do a bit of scouting and I got plucked out of there so yeah yeah but I love it I love it I love learning it's like a sponge yeah 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 it's funny the older you get the more you the, the less you realize you know yeah the more you realize you don't know yeah yeah that's a better way of putting it <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I could imagine that having children would be a tremendous uh, source of learning and education. What was it like when you were kind of faced with the decision of parenting versus kind of putting your dream on hold for a little while? No brainer, really, because I was always destined to be a mum, a young mum too, because I've always been very maternal. I've always had, you know, kids to me... uh, just precious they're just they're everything and still today you know I I I will get down on the ground with with kids and play like playing is one of my favorite most favorite things to do so yeah it was just just the the way it was meant to be so I knew I just knew everything would pan out as it was meant to and if having children came first then so be it and did you ever kind of imagine that you would get to quite literally play with your son? Uh, <laughs> no, how's <set>? that? <laughs> no, that was that was that was bizarre. Now Harley was, you know, he sort of discovered his his desire to be an actor, and I had to make sure that it wasn't something that he was choosing to do because it was life as he knew it or it was because he thought that it may be an easy way in because mum's there. I needed him to show me passion the way I understood it. I wanted him to be involved in everything, everything, acting, drama, theatre, at school, outside of school, whatever he could do. And he did. Mm. He really showed me. But I also wanted him I understand what the industry is like and I wanted him to finish school first just finish school first then you can get an agent because I didn't want him taking time out of school to it's really disruptive and I see a lot of kids that go back to school they leave the show to go back to school and you kind of really only get one chance being a kid and being at school and and doing all that and you've got your whole life in front of you after after that you're still you're still a baby Mm. so he finished school and then he went on to 16th Street and did, did the full-time course there. And then 
yeah, he was on his own. He was on his own path. And, and then I'd left the show and then he started on the show. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was, I actually didn't, I had full faith in my boy. Absolutely full faith. But that was, mm. that blew my mind. You met at this interesting cross section where he was kind of on his way out and you were kind of coming back in. Yeah. Yeah. So we had a, a seven month crossover. And initially they had us just being playing strangers, which was surreal. It was just like neither of us knew if we were pulling it off. It was like, <laughs> how can I be looking at you, looking into your eyes and not know this person, you know? So I guess luckily I was able to kind of, I saw Josh. I was able to watch Josh for a couple of years on screen. It's Harley's character. Harley's character. So yeah, without having any sort of personal relationship with him. So I was able to, to see him as his own person his Mm. own identity so I guess I had to really kind of use that pull that in and then deal with this guy that I'd seen that I knew from on screen but but not know him so it was all new does that make sense (laughs) (laughs) probably not but anyway it was weird and yeah we loved it so they did this one scene for the fans they said okay this we, we, we're only going to do one and we said okay so um we did this one scene and I guess the response was really huge and they loved it so they gave us more and then another scene and another scene and then we had a a mini storyline together really, mm. which was really nice it was just so nice and and the, you know what the fact is is that we actually made history that that's never ever happened on the show oh really you know, it's never happened in Australian television it's it's and that's I'm really proud of that. It's, mm. That's really cool. That's really amazing. Yeah. It's very cool. Mm. And just to backtrack, I guess, a little bit on going back to your kind of personal story and uh, and where you've kind of come from and come through. So after, I guess you would have been, what, about 25, 26 when you... 26, yeah. 26 when you when you got the role on Neighbours. What was the kind of, what was the series of events, I suppose, that led up to that happening? This is a, a, one of those stories where, it's, um, you know, we, we, you look down and, and there is a blueprint for you. Like the universe has a blueprint for you. You, you this, is your, this is your path and, you know, if you could look down from above it, you could see, right? <laughs> so I... You're being very visual... Yeah, because this is what it, it this is. It just showed me, right? It's 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 timing. Mm. It's all about timing. So, I, my cousin and I had had our second babies at the same time. My, we were going for a play date, and I didn't have a mobile phone in those days. It was you know olden days. <laughs> uh, um, so, I was we were going down for a play. Now I thought I'll just drop into my agents office and give them my new headshots so I walked into the office and uh, my agent was on the phone and she said Carla Bonner has just walked through the door and she got off the phone and she said to me Carla you've got to go across town Jan Russ wants to see you immediately Um, there's a role uh, they've cast the family but there's a role for you they want you to test for it's it's blah, blah 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 but you've got to go now so I went across town, had Jai with me. He was 18 months old. Mm. I got there to Jan, see Jan and she just sort of threw the script at me and said, here, do the best with that you can. 
cold read oh little baby so then she was playing with Jai so I'm kind of standing there and to my understanding there was this role that they were looking to cast urgently because they had cast the family but the eldest sister had bailed so they'd done six weeks of shooting and the older sister who was playing Steph said I can't do this oh wow <laughs> so they had to recast really quickly yeah so anyway did that kind of completely just bamboozled and then left and then the next day I got a call to say could you come into the studio for a second callback um so I went into the studio I met the girls who played my sisters uh Holly and Kate and we did a scene together in the coffee shop and then the next day I had my agent calling me singing me the neighbor's theme song <laughs> saying you've got the role so in three days I'd, I just landed a three-year contract like in three days my life had completely that of mine and my family's lives had completely been turned upside down. And so I had to go back into the studio, sat down with the production manager. She threw a pile of scripts at me this high. That's about, oh, that's right, we're on podcast, aren't we? So, you know, what's that, about 30 centimetres? Yeah. And threw a schedule at me. Like you try to make sense of these schedules when you've had no experience doing this. That's another Mm. whole other beast in itself. Oh, this week we'll be doing this script and then this week we're <laughs> going to go to that script and then right. this script as well. That's it. So anyway, she said, okay, so here's your schedule for tomorrow. Here's the scenes. There were 19 scenes that I had to learn for the next morning. You start at 6 a.m. and develop the character of Steph by then. Good grief. 19 scenes, 6 a.m. So anyway, got home, did that. Miraculously, I have a photographic memory for specific things in particular remembering scripts script script work and so I had no problem I got home I learnt these 19 scenes I got on to set the next day and just like hit the ground running and that was it every day for the next six weeks I had to reshoot everything that this other girl had done with the family I had approximately 19 scenes a day every day for six weeks wow and so it was kind of kind of crazy beginnings and and I remember Mm. Jackie Woodburn who plays Susan Kennedy she said to me if you can get through this you can get through anything this job will be a breeze and it has it's look you know it's it's we have busy weeks I have really really busy weeks but you know it pans out because other weeks are really cool really light so yeah that was wild and I was really lucky that I had a great support network that could step in and take care of my kids and and allow me to do what I was born to do so it was really cool mm. what was it like uh, integrating into this kind of I suppose you know we we're talking before about it from a kind of um, human connection point of view but I suppose just the logistically uh, what was it like to have your life just completely rejigged in such a short amount of time to the point where your schedule is completely uh, off the charts compared to what it used to be Uh, and suddenly you just have this really kind of strict regime that you have kind of dogmatically been working towards I just it was like this knowing that I'm here I am I've landed it was I remember it to be crazy and 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 a real shift for us all but I think we also just Everyone just slipped into it like it was, like it was assumed. This was, it was, this is how it was, this 
how it's meant to be. So it was, yeah, it was a it was a, a bizarre initiation. It was just so, yeah, I, I remember it blowing my mind that in three days my life, everyone's lives had completely changed. But yeah, it was also just the way things were meant to be. Mm. Yeah, so then I was in there for three years and... 11 years later, <laughs> I meet you. <laughs> I'm still there. But that was a really, that was a really, that, very interesting because you, you, so you, you do, you start off doing what you, you believe that you're put on this earth to do and, and, and it is, and I love it and it's totally fulfilling. It's, I'm really lucky to do what I love every day. But then as you get older, you start sort of looking at the meaning of life and, and what was I really put here to do and you kind of, you know, you want to go a bit deeper and being on the show and, and going and doing things like charities and, and going to special children's Christmas parties and, you know, disadvantaged kids and, you know, working with all of this. I mean, kids, as I said before, are a passion of mine anyway. But then to go and actually meet these other kids that my heart would just go out to because they were so disadvantaged and just at you know they just didn't have the opportunities that my kids have or kids in my life and you know it would make me really touch my heart but then also to just people just wanted to cuddle these kids wanted to cuddle right and it was like yeah I'm all for cuddles so I'd give these people cuddles and it dawned on me it's like oh my god this is what didn't even do it was the feeling. It was like this is amazing that I can step back then and see the smile on their faces, like just through giving them a cuddle. What I can do for their day just by giving them a cuddle. Mm. Holy shit! Right, this is amazing. So that was sort of touching. That was affecting me, and that was that whole realization of, okay, wow. Because I'm all about connection. I love connection, and I guess this is why acting for me too is about connecting and but it goes deeper so you start to explore this and so then yeah I just continued to sort of really get off on that (laughs) get off on it but no it was that that was the biggest one of the biggest highlights of Mm. what I was doing was that you could change make people's days better Mm. I suppose to that point what was it like I suppose, first of all, in the security of being handed a three-year contract, but then I suppose it only becomes a matter of time when you have something so sustained that people in the public do start to recognise you and you become a person of public profile or something like that. What was that transition in your life like? That was hilarious. It was so funny. (laughs) When people would ask for an autograph, at first I felt like an idiot, you know, it was like if my friends could see me right now signing this piece of paper for you, they'd be laughing at me. Hmm. This is crazy. So that took me a while to get used to. That was kind of, that was weird. But the response was always really positive. Steph was like the big sister, like Australia's big sister, you know, mm. so that was really cool. And this was in the days where Neighbours was still really rating very well and, you know, people were crazy about the show. And so you know, to feel that adoration from people was really cool. And just to, you know, then it, it was that whole thing too of just, wow, you know, like they they, they really appreciate, they, mm. they, they really appreciate. And to be able to then smile, just smile at somebody or say hello or do something, it's, this is wild. 
Mm. I suppose at what pl- at what point do you start to go, oh, hold on a second, I've actually got, this is a legitimate platform that I can use to bring it back to what you're talking about before and, and actually affect change in the world. It's no longer necessarily, and you know, different people will take that kind of celebrity status or whatever as, as they will, but it seemed to me that you looked at this as a way that you could really affect positive change and you could actually do something meaningful with this platform as opposed to it just being a point of validation or anything. Exactly. Yeah. And that kind of really became... Because I, I, that, that resonated instantly and stuck with me and this was, yes, this meant something much bigger than I'm even aware of right now. So, uh, yeah, I knew that... I was given this, I was, I was gifted with this profile for a bigger reason. It's become much more of my focus in the last, oh, look, I guess uh, just before I left the show, like, you know, maybe 2009, I sort of started really trying to hone in on it and what this meant, what it could mean. And, and I think that kind of led me to feel the need to leave the show, to be mum, but to also to to also discover who I am because I'd spent majority of my adult life playing somebody else that I actually wasn't sure who Carla Bonner was. Mm. So I needed to go and explore that. And so it was in that. It, it's been in these last, you know, five, six, seven years that I've actually really... And then again, particularly in, in the last year, and then pulling it back again, it's been this year that I'm like, <laughs> right, it's becoming so clear. 2016 is the year of clarity. It's really become very clear. And so I'm actually working on it now. And it, and it is all about globally, the minds shifting the mindset, empowering, okay. really actually connecting with my purpose and it's wild. <laughs> it's so cool. And this is why I was put on this earth. And this is why I was meant to be an actor and, and, and build this profile and, you know, in order to reach a wider audience mm. and affect and help to facilitate change in mindsets and, and particularly the young. So it goes back to the kids again. It's about empowering these young girls. It's about telling my story showing people I'm human and inspiring and not – I don't want people to – these young girls to settle for any less than what they deserve and I want to help them to see that and feel that and know that. So that's my that's where I'm at now. This is what I'm working on now and it's really cool. It's pretty epic. Mm-hmm. I suppose through your experience of being in a show for 11 years and something where you are seeing a lot of young people coming in – making a name and then going off somewhere else. And also, given that your particular status w- would just continue to expand and the nature of tabloid journalism with combined with soap operas would could create a particularly superficial idea or perception about either who a person is or what makes them who they are uh, and... I imagine that one's self-worth and self-confidence could completely get washed up in a very superficial idea of what it is to have validation or to be a human being or, or any of these kind of things where it ceases to be about connection. 
and is instead replaced with you need to have this house or you need to have this car or you need to look a certain way. Exactly. You're exactly right. And so that I was just saying that to somebody the other day. It's like um, people have this perception of who I am or what sort of life I have or that or, you know, the idea that I could have had a tough time growing up or or I I have uh, suffer from lack of self-worth at times or or confidence or esteem or you know I'm human is unfathomable mm. to people they, they it's yeah it's how can that be and this is where I think that you know this is where you can create the change is that or help people to to, to see that they can change it too is this being open and you do appear as a very confident and boisterous sort of boisterous do i (laughs) yeah i think so i'd 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 love to know if you were happy to talk about when there were some moments where you were perhaps feeling a lack of um self-confidence or moments where you know you you perhaps didn't have such a bright outlook and how you managed to overcome that well you know what I've discovered I had an epiphany just recently that you don't ever, ever actually overcome them. You don't overcome this stuff. You don't. You just learn to deal with it. You learn to manage it in your life and you learn to, to accept it as part of life and you learn not to let it hold you back, that it's not going anywhere. Because I had this idea, like, okay, that the um, self-worth and confidence and things like that, that, that that's intermittently all, all, always, I mean... Well, you know what I mean. Like it's life. It it hits you some weeks, and some weeks you it, you feel great. It's mm. it's fine. Other weeks it creeps in. Other weeks it's you know it's just on the. You mean like a kind of self loathing or a lack of confidence yeah. or something can just kind of creep in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, being woman times of the month, full mo- you know moon time. You know, lots of variables that can contribute to how you feel, uh, lifestyle, what you fuel your body with. Like all of that sort of thing is, to me, is what I focus on to live a balanced lifestyle, balanced life. Anyway, um, lost my track now. Where was you I? I had an epiphany recently. I had an epiphany um, that I, because I've been wanting to be this voice for so long, and and I do classes, right? So I teach acting, and in my classes, there's a subliminal kind of message about loving yourself, about knowing your worth, about you know. But I want to bring that to the forefront and make that the, the real focus of my of my talks and stuff too. So, but I battled with it because I because I'm still battling with these things myself. How can I be a voice for this? You know, if I'm going to listen to somebody, I want that I want to listen to somebody that's actually achieved what they're talking about. <laughs> like that's who I'm going to look up to. I want Tony to, Robbins. Yeah, right. So anyway. Um, this became my battle and this I think was um, enabling me to procrastinate as well because I couldn't work out how I was going to do this. I have to achieve a certain level of success in, in conquering this stuff before I can actually go out there and talk about it. So yeah, so I it would it created blocks for me and it was only a couple of weeks ago that I was talking to a girlfriend. I've, I've started doing some life coaching. I've worked working with a life coach and it's um, amazing. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. And he's really helping me to get focused and and get some clarity. It's mm. you know, I've worked I've done a lot of work, a lot of work on myself over the years. So much. 
which we, which is why when certain situations would come up in your life and then these these issues would would rear their ugly heads again you'd be you know I'd be I'd I was just a loss you know like I've worked on this stuff I thought that I'd really dealt with it how why is it showing its face again now like why so anyway I'm actually really starting to look at it see it differently now and so yeah so I realized when I was I'd had my I was talking to a girlfriend and yeah, I realise that that actually never goes away. It never goes away. So, yeah, and I am managing it. Therefore, I am qualified to talk about it. And this puts a whole new spin on my talks. It 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 shifts. It's a whole new perspective on my talks. It takes so much pressure off me. It enables me to go forth with this now because this is how it is. What a relief to know that you're not failing because you've not conquered it. Mm. Like, that's amazing. So, yeah, now it's sort of, it's positioned me to go, right, we're on, game on. We're doing this now. Mm, One of my, a very, very close friend of mine taught me a very, or told me a very interesting quote, which is, there's no failure, only feedback. And I thought that's really, that's a really interesting reframe. Mm. Something to kind of consider. And then, you know, that does, that takes the pressure off this whole idea of right and wrong black and white yeah all that sort of stuff and you can just kind of get on with doing what you want to do yeah yeah so now really tapping into the purpose really getting focused on it utilizing this amazing profile that I've got and preparing myself to go out into the world with it so that's really cool is there any of this sort of stuff that you kind of wish that you had an awareness of while you were in the midst of this 11-year haul on Neighbours? Were there any kind of moments of doubt or difficult kind of times where you're just like, oh, I can't do this anymore? I loved my job. I always, I loved my job. I, was, I would bounce out of bed every day to go to my job. Early mornings, no problem. But absolutely inner battles. Absolutely. But I guess there was a... a there was one time that I spoke to an actor friend and sort of uh, expressed a slight interest in maybe leaving the show and he gave me a bit of a hit of reality and said, it's cold out here. Mm. And I went, okay, all right, well, I'll just make it work. Yeah, so I, I think I sort of kept them a bit, kept it kind of separate. It was my personal inner battle demons had nothing to do with the job the job yeah i did feel sometimes actually i i i do being incredibly sensitive i felt at times that i wasn't actually quite cut out for the industry and i wouldn't know why i I wouldn't i would have trouble understanding why i what am i why am i here like i i'm not cut out to do this i'm not i'm not thick-skinned enough i'm not i'm so sensitive but no, it's all, you know, you just got to trust that the, the process, everything's taking shape in its own time and one day you will understand it. And now I do. So had I had these realisations, epiphanies back then, sure, it probably could have, would have helped 
with with insight to understand myself but then you sort of go well I wouldn't have had the journey that I've had I Mm. wouldn't have you know I wouldn't be the person I am now I wouldn't have learned the things I've learned because I am you know I, I mean we all are but I am one of those people that really only learn when things are tough <laughs> you know you don't really learn when things are great you don't take heed of lessons and things when everything's great you're like ah, oh, yeah no worries it's not until shit hits the fan that you go okay I'm listening okay what is it what, what do I have to learn from this and, and she- then through that is growth yeah, it's it's kind of circles of comfort, and when everything's going well, you're you're within your kind of comfort zone, and when things get tough or you get challenged or you have a difficult moment, that's where you that's where you are challenged to expand your comfort zone, to step outside of where you normally kind of sit or exist and mm. grow beyond that. Mm-hmm. What's your idea of success, and how have you how do you see yourself on that journey? I think success is when I I feel like I'm really starting I feel like I've succeeded in a lot of, in in my life a lot already but I feel like it continues and this is what excites me is that that feeling of fulfillment and and uh expansion and 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 contributing to the well-being is what for me is makes me all warm and fuzzy like that's if I can bring about this change and help these young girls and and you know raise the next generation to be empowered confident knowing their worth then that is success that's massive success Mm. well the vacuum cleaner's gone on, so <laughs> yeah. that seems like a good That's cue good to uh, to kind of wrap it up. I finish uh, all of my conversations with one question, and that question is, what makes you silly? What makes me silly? What makes you silly? Peter Pan. <laughs> my Peter Pan, yeah. My inner child. I'm silly. Oh, yeah? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Because I'll do things like the other day. I don't know if you saw them on Facebook, but... but you know, I, I wrote a post about things that, um, that people's wonderful weirdness. You know, mine is if I hear somebody that's got a husky voice, they've lost their voice, my eyes water. Right. And people thought I was strange until one of the other girls said, oh, when somebody eats something sour in front of me, my eyebrows sweat. And we're like, that's strange. <laughs> <laughs> and so I posted this on Facebook and then another friend piped up and he said, when somebody chews ice cubes, that." I go. I, I become catatonic. You know. He's yeah, like, okay. Well, maybe not catatonic, but I hate it. Like, okay, right. So the next day, I'm like, I want to test these these phobias. I want to see. So I walked in and I recorded it. I walked in to the girl that suffers from perspiring eyebrows with a lemon in my mouth, and she <laughs> she lost it, but she wouldn't let me see her eyebrows and she wouldn't let me feel them. But we got it on. And we got footage of it, <laughs> and then and then them. my mate, I um, he was having his makeup done. And he had his eyes closed, and he was just you know, oh, I had the brush strokes over his face. He was nice and relaxed, and I went and I crunched on ice cubes in his ear, mm. <laughs> <laughs> and he lost it, lost it. Um, Sounds like a web series <laughs> in there, unearthing people's weirdness. Oh god, it was great. Mm. But that's I get silly, like I. 
I think just just the idea that people can let go, just loosen up, just relax, just play. Mm. I will get silly if it means that we can do that. But I think I am just silly anyway. (laughs) Like you ask my kids. Yeah, I think I've always been a bit silly. Yeah, Mm. silliness makes the world go round. Totally. Thank you so much for doing this, Carla. Pleasure. Thanks, Al. (laughs) 